Hello, ni hao, and welcome back to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia-China Business Council. On this episode, I'm joined by Will Zhao, Chief Executive of eCargo, to look at the options and opportunities of launching your product via e-commerce. Will is the current CEO of eCargo Holdings Limited, an ASX-listed online-to-offline enabler in China. Will is fluent in Mandarin, Shanghainese, and English, and has over 18 years' experience in financial management, investments, and consulting. He previously worked for Metcash Asia, Goodman Group, and Deloitte. He's also led the strategic development and execution of Metcash Asia's business in China, and is a leading authority on cross-border e-commerce and traditional retail channels in China. During our chat, we discuss choosing the right platform, whether a company is ready to enter China, understanding the changing needs of consumers in the market, getting exposure throughout China, the level of investment required, and the value proposition of products being clean and green. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I'm here in Shanghai with Will Zhao uh, from eCargo. Will, thanks a lot for dropping by to the podcast. Thank you, James. Um, so, Will, would you mind um, starting off by giving us some information about what eCargo is all about? eCargo is an Australian listed business. We are uh, essentially an e-commerce enabler to start off with. And as of last year, we announced the acquisition of 100% of Jessica Suitcase, as well as 85% of Metcash Asia. Um, which means now eCargo is a fully enabled e-commerce and offline distribution business. We divide our business into three key parts. Uh, one is our B2C business, uh, which is cross-border e-commerce. We own and operate a number of flagship stores. Uh, we have our B2B uh, distribution wholesale business. Yep. And we also have our consulting and services business, which um, offers e-commerce services, digital trademarking, offline distribution, customs, um, and marketing. So that means that for an Australian exporter, you can take them through the whole journey of taking their product from Australia, either through an online platform or bricks and mortar store in, in China. That's correct. We are a what we would call a one-stop shop solution for um, not, not just Australian business, but any business from anywhere in the world where we can literally take it from their shed and bring them into China through either online or offline or both. Okay. So would you mind going into a little bit of detail about the process of how an Aussie product uses eCargo to sell online into China? Yeah, look, uh, I think online is the first step of any any product coming to the market because it's the easiest and, and, and uh, less time-consuming. So we would uh, work with our partner um, mm. and identify a product that's right for China. We would then essentially pick it from uh, pick it up from their warehouse, put it on the ship, bring it into China, clear customs, put it through one of our existing flagship stores to sell, okay, and then work very quickly to identify the brand um, the value um, and the proposition. And we would then work around marketing and building the brand for offline distribution. Um, as well as online distribution, so we can do both of those as well. So it's basically a, a sort of a one-stop shop process. And so how would you go about deciding on which of your flagship stores to use for a particular product? Do you have a flagship store for F&B products and health, and is, is it segmented by market, or, or how does that work? Uh, most of our flagship stores are what we call hypermarkets, um, so they would sell all sorts of different categories of products. 
um, uh, FMB products, FMCG products, you know, daily care, mother and baby. Okay. So it's actually multi-category. So if you think about uh, uh, Grace Brothers plus a uh, 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 sort of IGA store combination, um, that's what we have. However, you know, different flagship stores got a different value proposition. Some of them is a bit more boutique, okay. um, more like your David Jones type. Um, the others are probably a little bit more down, down the stream, like Kmart or Big W type. So we would then differentiate by the product value um, and the, 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 the people we attract to those flagship stores. And do you have a particular focus on Australian products or are the, uh, is the product selection rather global? Um, at the moment, about 80-85% of our products are Australian New Zealand, um, and the remainder is from all over the world. Um, we do have a preference for Australian New Zealand products given our heritage and, and, and where we're listed. Um, and also, you know, uh, myself being Chinese-Australian, I, I do have a preference for that. Mm. Um, but uh, having said that, you know, we do have a, a small percentage of our products coming from all over the world. Okay. And so, so what do you look for from a business to know whether they're ready to sell online on one of your platforms? What, what are some of the boxes they need to have checked? Um, I think, first of all, um, when we talk to businesses, um, the number one thing we want to talk about is what, what is their strategy, what do they want to do, in China um, and whether they are ready for China in terms of are you willing to come over here constantly at a drop of a hat? Right. Are you willing to invest into your own brand? Um, there's, there's no longer just a, a buy-sell uh, proposition. We need to really invest in your brand and bring out what the key unique selling point. You know, are, you, are you willing to work with me to build your brand or are you just simply you know, looking for an avenue for your for your product to sell. Mm. Um, so, so for me, I think the key important things is, are you cooperative enough to work with me to build your own brand? Some businesses may expect the e-commerce channel to allow them to do business with China from Australia. Would you would you say that's not the case, and that an in-market presence is, is still really essential? Yeah, look, I think in-market presence is always essential um, in in this market, given how quickly this market changes. Uh, whether it's regulation, whether it's it's trans, whether it's you know um, people's preference for for categories, um, so in market presence uh, will always give you an edge. You need to be flexible um, and and robust in responding to the market needs. Um, E-commerce, you can sell out of Australia, but you really need to come here constantly to actually understand the, the market forces. Okay, and, and so when you say come here, do you mean meeting buyers or going to trade shows? Like, what type of activities would you expect from a business over here in market? I think, I think a business um, should, should expect to come here um, often to both understand the market, number one, um, understand your customers, understand the needs of the market, um, the changing needs of the market, whether it's from a marketing perspective or client's needs perspective, mm, yeah. but also come here for the trade shows, go talk to your uh, distributors, go talk to your um, uh, partners, understand what their issues are, um, because a lot of people sell into China, but not a lot of them can sell sustainably into China. Okay. So what are the particular advantages of selling on a Chinese e-commerce platform compared to the more traditional exporting and, 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 and retailing your product? What are, what are some of the key takeaway advantages of the China e-commerce market? I think, I think, first of all, I think e-commerce are, are typically separated into two categories. One is your cross-border e-commerce and one is your domestic e-commerce, which is basically your traditional ways of importing it, mm. but then bringing it onto an online platform to sell. Okay. Um, the the cross-border e-commerce um, is the one I'm talking about here. Um, and the, the basic benefits of selling through that is it's less time-consuming. Right. So basically, you can get a product online 
through onto a flagship store um, within six weeks. Okay. Uh, if you're selling through someone else yeah. onto their flagship store. Yeah. If you were to operate your own flagship store, that could take up to three months. Okay. But that could still be a lot quicker um, than if you were to importing it offline. Okay. So I think um, from a timing perspective, it'd be a lot quicker. Um, and again, e-commerce is exposure to all of China rather than a particular segment of people where you're importing it offline. Um, however, you know, you really need a lot of marketing, a lot of uh, support to build your presence um, into this market. And so do you see a lot of your online platforms, do you see a real discrepancy around all of China that people are buying products, Australian products from first tier cities, from Western China, from second, third, fourth, fifth tier cities? Can you identify that on your platforms? And I can identify on my platform, but I think it's a general trend in China that approximately you know, 70% of all online shopping is still done through first and second tier cities. Okay, right. It's just a general trend where I think they are a lot more okay with shopping online um, and being able to trust products coming from overseas. Um, that is not the case when it reaches down to three, four, fifty cities for a number of reasons. Okay. Um, whether it's a trust factor, whether it's actually, you know, uh, logistically um, and the user experience. So we, we see it as an opportunity for us to actually really tap into the market. However, if you look at the trends over the last 12 months, um, even the first and second tier cities are getting somewhat tired um, of the online shopping phase and, mm. and a lot of the online e-commerce players are buying offline. So I think the omni-channel is becoming more and more yeah, right. prominent. Okay. Um, and so how can a business estimate a budget for an e-commerce launch and strategy in China? Is it, is it a case of just putting the product online and leaving it there or is there, is there a financial upkeep that's required? Um, there's always a financial upkeep um, in China because you need to stand out from the crowd. Okay. Um, I think uh, it's hard to say how much a business should invest in it because every product's a little bit different. Whether you have an existing following or whether you have residents in this market or you, ha you're, you have a product that's totally unknown in this market. So obviously the level of investment is depending on how quickly do you want to ramp up and how quickly do you want, to want the product to succeed or could be just a slowly building phase. By simply buying a product, selling it online and not doing any marketing with it, unless there's some sort of a miracle or someone's promoting it elsewhere, okay. it's yeah. really difficult to, uh, to make a kick off. And so when, a, when an Australian product wants to stand out, how essential is that Australian aspect in, in terms of standing out? Is that, is that all or nothing or do, do businesses require a more novel approach to, to try and advertise that Australian aspect of a product? I think, I think in general, I think, you know, a product needs to have a key unique selling point. Mm. Um, first of all, in my, in my view, a product needs to have a um, following Australia to begin with so that you can then have that resonance back in Australia and use that as a bit of a springboard mm. back into China okay. yeah. and use that to your advantage. Um, I think, you know, the product itself needs to be good. Mm. It can't just be a product made for China and then you expect it to take off unless you have a lot of marketing money to spend on it um, and, and put the right spin on it. Okay. So I think you know, the level of investment and timeline required is quite different depending on the product itself. And do you find a lot of businesses get a little impatient with wanting to see results immediately on the e-commerce channels in China? And, and if that's the case, how, how soon can a company expect to see some, some results whatsoever? Yeah, Australian business in general and Western business in general are fairly impatient yeah. um, <laughs> because I think the stakeholders requires them to be like that. Um, China is a long game. China needs to be sustainable. And for you to be successful in China, 
you have to have a long game. It's hard to say whether you know you'll see results straight away. Sometimes you do, mm. um, but I would certainly give it minimum twelve months. Okay. So for businesses starting out in the China market, would you say trade shows are the best ways to kind of help launch their their e-commerce channels? Um, yes and no. I think I think um, step number one is I think you've got to do some market research okay. as to see whether your product's actually needed in this market, mm. rather than just going blindly into a trade show and putting on products. Here. It's actually you know quite. Um, uh, there, there are some risks attached to it, whether yep. it's uh, infringement on your existing products or, 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 or trademarking, okay. etc. So I, I would actually do spend some money um, doing some market research on whether your products is needed. Um, and then point number two would be have a proper strategy in place as to what's your launch plan, how long is it going to take, um, what sort of a level of investment are you willing to to, to, to make. Mm. Um, are you willing to go with one channel or are you going to go with multiple channels? Um, are you using one exclusive guy or are you going to using multiple partners? What's the pricing strategy? So there are a number of things I think you need to sort out before you even think about you know going going through with it. Mm. So often the unique selling point for Australian brands is this clean and green image that's quite popular in China. But do you find that Chinese brands are catching up with their own F&B products? And do you think that there's a limited scope for how, how long Australian companies can leverage this clean and green image? Yeah, look, I think, I think in my view, um, clean and green is well overplayed. Um, I think, you know, there are many, many countries here selling in China are clean, green, if not more clean and green than Australia. Sure. Well, Norway's clean and green. Canada's clean and green. Exactly, exactly. So, so you know, Iceland's probably got, you know, less cars than, than you can think of. So, um, I think it's uh, well overdue um, in terms of, you know, that message being overplayed. And uh, China itself is looking for clean and green, but it doesn't mean China doesn't have clean and green. I just came back from Yunnan, mm. which is um, a, a large province and 80% of the province is agriculture. Right. And yep. actually really well-developed agriculture. And it's beautiful 25-degree days, blue sky every day. Mm. So I think, you know, um, China is catching up. China's changing. Um, China is adapting. And I think going forward is going to be more and more of that. Um, but, you know, there's still a need for it. It's just how quickly things catch up. Mm. I, like, I've seen you speak before, Will, on the, on the fact that China doesn't need any Australian products and that you really have to work hard to market and promote your product within China. What are some other tricks that businesses can do to help leverage their competitive advantage over here in China, particularly on e-commerce channels? Yeah, look, I, I think I think marketing and, and certainly um, bringing a key unique selling point is very important in this market given the number of products that's in this market. You know, we're not just dealing with New Zealand and competing against New Zealand, competing against the world in this market mm. and, and a lot of people are willing to invest a lot of money. You look at the Europeans who's, who's been here for, for a very long time and invest a lot of money to, to take where they are at the moment. So I think businesses really need to find a trusted partner that can advise them properly mm. as to what the key steps are in succeeding in this market. Um, there's a lot of good people out here, um, both local businesses and international businesses that can help you with a number of ways. I think just finding that you know, trusted partner I think you know finding the right people is key to to to, to anyone's success here. Mm, excellent. Okay. Well, it's it, it, it's certainly a complex and competitive market, Will. But thanks a lot for helping clear some of that up today. Thank you, James.
My thanks to Will for sharing his experience, tips and insights. For more from our podcast, please drop by to the podcast homepage at acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts where you can find show notes from all our previous episodes. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and help us continue to grow our listenership. This activity received funding from Austrade as part of the Free Trade Agreement Market Entry Grant Program. The views expressed herein are not necessarily the views of the Commonwealth of Australia, and the Commonwealth does not accept responsibility for any information or advice contained herein. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and until next time, zai jian.